Hello, brothers and sisters. I hope you are having a blessed day. Uh, I was going through some files that I have, and I found a few uh, sermons. And so I'm going to start a series with the sermons that I found uh, from the archives. I hope you enjoy uh, these sermons. Please let me know uh, by emailing me through joshuaministry741 at gmail.com or through the podcast here. Hey guys, Joshua Miller here. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. It doesn't cost a thing to download. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Podcast, and many, many more. It automatically will send them to those. You can make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. You don't have to click and drag from one to another and have several opening use. It's all in one place for you. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks. Have a great day. crowd may be small, the crowd may be big, but if we're here for the right reason, to learn more about God, to give Him the due worship and the glory and the honor that's due Him as, as God, the Almighty, as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, it's worth it all. Uh, if you would take your Bibles, my notes in the right place. We'll turn it. We'll start with Hebrews chapter 13. If you want to turn there, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Uh, the title for the message today is "Things That Don't Change." Things that don't change. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, "Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever." Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the music uh, today. Thank you for all those willing to uh, to give their talents to you today. Those that are in participation of the worship service today. Thank you for each one here. Uh, thank you for the for using me. Uh, pray that you would use me here today. Uh, pray that you give me the clear thoughts and clear speech to present your word according to your will. I pray that each here would be would be attentive to your word, as uh, was just mentioned earlier, and it would uh, it would lay on the tables of our hearts and be we would uh, be nourished from your word and the be nourished with what only can nourish us in this way is your word. We thank you. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
to look at things that don't change. And as we, we were to sit back and look at the world around us, we see a lot of change. A lot of things change. As far as I know, everything on this earth is changing. I mentioned in Sunday school the earthquakes in diverse places. And if you think all the, the weather going around is increasing, getting worse and worse in places, the tornadoes being in the dead of winter as something unusual to us. And it's changing. The weather's changing. Uh, we have tsunamis and places that haven't had tsunamis. And there's things that weather changes. Let's look at our culture a little bit. We'll see, when we look outside, we see a bunch of vehicles that were here around the house of God today when we were ride, we used to ride horses to wherever we went. It changed. We don't ride horses anymore. We drive vehicles. They have more horsepower. They have more power. They carry more people. They get us further places. It's changed. Our way of commuting place to place has changed. We no longer just traverse the land. We fly now place to place. Things change. The way of our commute has changed. And it will it'll continue to change as technology progresses and we invent different things, it'll change. Uh, our families change. My wife and I are married. We've been married eight and a half years now. Well, now there's five of us. It was me. Then there's two. Now there's five. Things change. And it's all around us. There's change everywhere. So first thing I want to look at, things that don't change, number one, is the Bible is unchangeable. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, But the word of our God shall stand forever. The flower fadeth, the grass withereth, but the word of God shall stand forever. In spite of everything that we see that changes around us, we see another example, a tree will grow from a small seed and grow and grow big and tall, and then it it blossoms and grows and flowers and gets stronger and stronger, but then there's a point that it dies and it falls apart and decays and it's gone. It's changed. It doesn't stay the same. But the Word of God shall stand forever. You see Hebrews 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's one thing we need to get if we don't get anything else today is Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. It says the word of our the word of our God shall stand forever. Psalms 119:89 says, "Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven." We have another thing that changes is our health. At one point, I thank the Lord for my health, way he's given me the ability to work. I can go work and provide for my family. I can walk. I can do whatever I need to do to provide for my family. Anything I want to do, I could. I have the ability to go do it. God has given me that, but that may change. My health may decay. I live on this sin-cursed earth. Just everyone else here. Health will change. I will lose health at some point. This, it says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this is the judgment. I know that point is coming. It's guaranteed. But the Word of God is settled in heaven. His Word, when He speaks, it doesn't change. That's it. It's settled. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That's a guarantee. We look at everything that changes and things move around. We have 
friends one day, then the next day those friends may not be there. We may have new friends. They've gone. They've moved on somewhere else. They may have moved away. And we have friends take their place. Things change. But the Word of God doesn't change. It's settled. Settled in heaven. It's the same. What He has given to us will not change. The Bible doesn't change. Now there are those that try to give the argument that they claim it's outdated. Claim the Word of God is outdated or irrelevant. We're too modern to go by this book. We're too modern in this day and time. That was for ages ago, a different era. And it's no good for us anymore. But go back to Hebrews 13.8. What does it say? The same yesterday, today, and forever. The Word of God there in uh, Psalms. That Word is settled in heavens forever. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter what year we may climb to in this world. The Word of God is still the same. The Bible is still the same. His Word to us, His message, we know the Bible is His love letter to us as His creatures. It doesn't change. It hasn't changed and it won't change. We're still His creatures. It hasn't changed. I don't care what anyone says. If they say it's outdated, say it's irrelevant, that doesn't change the fact that it is the same and it will not change the Bible being unchangeable makes us able to count on the Bible and what his word says every promise that he's given us we can trust that it's the same that it's the promise will be kept we've had friends give us a promise that I will do this something has come up and made it where they couldn't keep the promise that they gave and they just they failed at their promise. The Word of God doesn't fail. We can look at the Bible and it's, it's there. His promises are sure. They're settled. They're forever. We can trust that. We can believe that. Our faith in His Word, the Bible as His Word to us, does not change. We can confide in His Word. When we have a problem... And there's no one else we can go to. Like I said, our friends may have left us. Our friends may not understand what we're going through. But God does. His Word has an answer for us. Whatever we're going through, it doesn't matter the circumstance. He has an answer. We can confide in the Bible. We can look, Lord, I have a problem. This has happened in my life. What should I do? Go to the Bible. Go to His Word. He has an answer for that. His stance on whatever the issue it's still the same. He doesn't waver. He doesn't change. He doesn't have an opinion to one side of the issue and then the next day it's switched to the other side of the issue. It's the same. His stance is the same no matter what the world goes, no matter which way the wind blows. It's not tossed and to and fro here and there, whichever the wind blows, the east wind, the west wind, the north wind, south wind, whatever. The Bible is sure, steadfast, is settled in heaven. It is profitable, profitable for us. In 2 Timothy 3.16, turn there, if I, 2 Timothy 3.16, so I quote it correctly, says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, 
thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Bible is there for us. It is profitable for us. It is there to help us do the right thing, say the right thing, act the right way, live the right way, be an example for others in this walk that we have on this world, the time that God's given us here. It is profitable for us, for our families, our life, my life, and everyone that will. The Bible has not changed on His on its word, and it's profitable. It is very helpful. And he says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There's only only really good works are in Christ Jesus, are in His will, right? What He's called us to do. Uh, anything outside of that is not beneficial to Him and His will and not beneficial for us. It's only in His will. When we fall into place what He's called us to do by His word, Styles change around us. Different styles, different styles of clothing change every few years. Styles change, fads change, and we're seeing standards change in society. There was a point that they stood closer to God's word than they do now, and they see their falling. You can see year to year, they see it declining further and further away from God's Word. Remember, God's Word doesn't change. It's here. We see the standards slowly dropping away from where God had put it. But God's Word doesn't change. If we were, if we're confused and worried and we're stressed out by the change around us, look to the Bible. Look to His Word. It doesn't change. It's settled. One, things that don't change is the Bible. It is unchangeable. Two is God's attitude about sin. First Peter 1.16, what does he say there? He says, Be holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. People try to... An excuse there is, well, we're human. We're, people, we're not perfect. We can't be holy anyway. No, we can't, but that's what we're... Our goal is we're to be... We can be holy. We may not be perfect. We're not going to be perfect because we're human. We're going to trip up and make mistakes. Well, we can be holy. And people want to give the excuse, well, I can't because I'm human. What does Philippians 4.13 say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. That excuse just went out the window right there. Because it's in Christ that we're holy in the first place. It is not in ourselves. It is in Christ. He said, be holy for I am holy. The world... Instead of a solid black and white, do this, don't do this, this is right, this is wrong. We've got a mixture of gray today. A lot of things are just meshed together and mixed up, and we're trying to confuse people and trying to lead people astray. It's part of the devil's scheme to do so. But a lot of uh, Christians have just gone with it. Just let it go. Well, it's okay, the world's doing it. It's okay, we're in the world. The Lord said, uh, be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. We say about Israel, they were a peculiar people. Well, so are Christians should be. Christians should be a peculiar people when compared to the world and their habits and their way of life. Christians should look kind of weird. Uh, we're supposed to stand out. Look, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. God's attitude about sin is still the same. 
sin is repulsive to him. Especially if a child of God is, if a child of God has sinned and or has rebelled against him, he's it hurts him. It hurts God. He's not pleased with it. The Bible says he has to turn away and he has to look away. He can't look on sin. But it's his child. He wants to look at his child. He wants to know what his child is doing and how what their condition is, how they're doing, what they're achieving. But he can't look on sin. God said, be holy for I am holy. He, want, he desires to know what you're doing and what state you're in. But when we're in sin, he can't have a relationship with us when we're living deliberately, willingly in sin. He can't have a relationship with us. He has to step back. He says, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. When we sin, we step. God, remember, God hasn't changed. He's still the same. When we sin, we're stepping further and further away from God, further away from His will, out of step with Him, our Creator, our Lord. We have now one of the commandments that God has given us, Thou shalt not lie. Well, I hear uh, often, well, I just told a, or he, whoever, told a white lie. That's black and white together, is it not? A white lie? There's no such thing as a white lie. A lie is a lie, and it's a sin against God. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing white. White is a symbol for purity, cleanliness. You've been washed. The Bible says, by the blood, you know, as white as snow. There's a white lie. There is no place for a white lie. A lie is a lie. It's a sin. And it's drawn us away from God. We've just stepped one step further from God. But instead, we'll call it a white lie. Or we'll, we'll say they have a vivid ima imagination. They, well, they have someone that has a habit of it. They have a vivid imagination. No. I call that a lie. If he didn't say what the truth, he didn't say what happened, that's a lie. Amen. There's no need, there's no exaggeration, that's a lie. That's it. We have uh, marriage being attacked as well. When God ordained marriage, it's still the same as he said. You go back and read this word, it still says the same thing. He ordained marriage by, uh, between one man, one woman. He said, Likewise, those two shall become one flesh. What God has put together that no man pull asunder. It was intended by God in the beginning when a man and woman came together through marriage. It was for life, for eternity. Now it's optional to this society. We can well, I've been married for a while. I don't like them. I've got tired of them. I want to find someone else. I'm not happy anymore with them. That sounds like it's their problem. God said to stick together for life. It is until death do you part. Amen. But we have the world trying to twist it, trying to pull it apart, make it optional, trying to make it between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. That's still a sin. God's Word hasn't changed on it last time I checked either. And He destroyed a couple cities for that. Oh. Uh, Many have lost their lives because of that wickedness, that abomination as the Lord calls it. Sin is sin. If God said don't do it, it's sin to do it. God's attitude about sin doesn't change. He set up uh, consequences for sin. 
uh, those that disobey and they commit sin, they're doomed to death in an eternal lake of fire called hell. That hasn't changed. It's still the same. Originally, God intended hell to be for his, the devil and his demons because they committed the first sin against God. They were cast out of heaven. That hell was for them. But when sin entered into the world and man fell to that sin, that was our due, just place for our actions against an almighty, pure, holy God. That was our just place. The only place fit for our actions, only place fit for us to go. That hasn't changed. We try to sugarcoat sin. We try to make it acceptable. We try to make it acceptable in the church or in our house or in the workplace. It's like this. Uh, especially with children. Children, God has a set way to raise children. It's in His Word. It hasn't changed. They were punished for disrespecting their parents and disrespecting those in authority. We're told to, to respect those in authority, submit to those that are in authority, the Bible says to honor your father and mother for this is right. This is the first commandment with promise that you may live long on the earth. But now it's telling children, well, you can do what you want. Rodan gave the example of one being told not to walk in the street. And then her mother said, oh, no, that's fine. Well, she can do whatever she wants. We're raising children like that. That's why we have these riots. That's why we have this rebellious people that dis destroy other people's personal belongings, destroying houses, uh, businesses, and uh, blocking the highways where no one can get back to their home or get to work and do... It's because of that. Because we're turning away from what God's Word has said and His attitude towards sin. If a child disobeys their parents, that's a sin. It's not just a, their, the, what they wanted or how their, a, a care they had and they can have it. It's wrong. It's a sin. It needs to be corrected. It needs to be punished immediately. It's like we've taken a rattlesnake, which is deadly. Everyone knows a rattlesnake's deadly, right? It has venom. And if it bites you, you'll die. Without being treated, without having the antidote, you will die. But the world has taken it, this rattlesnake, and put bunny rabbit ears on it and a cotton tail. Try to make it look real nice, real pretty, look fluffy. It looks real cute with those ears and that tail on it. But it's still going to kill you. It's still going to bite you. The outward, it hasn't changed. Its instinct is still to bite with its fangs and inject venom. Doesn't matter what you dress it up like. It's still death. Sin is deadly. God's attitude about sin hasn't changed. Sin is deceiving. Sin is destructive. Sin is deadly. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man is a sinner. By our nature, we are a sinner. That hasn't changed. This world will tell us if we fix up our environments, change our habitat, man will do better. Man will act right. Man will quit murdering. Will quit abusing alcohol, we'll quit drinking, we'll quit doing drugs, whatever the case, they'll quit if you just change their environment. 
Well, they've tried that. They fixed these cities up nice. They put new buildings up, new walls, relayed the pavement, new sidewalks, and put some trees up to help with the atmosphere. But man's still doing the same thing. How did that happen? Because of our nature. We sin because we have a sinful nature. So as a skunk stinks, right? It smells. Well, it's not a skunk because it smells. It smells because it's a skunk. We sin because we're a sinner. That's in our nature. That hasn't changed. It won't change yet till this earth has been renewed, made new, wiped, washed away, destroyed, and the new earth, the new heaven, new Jerusalem comes down, and that all that is finished. That hasn't happened yet. We're still looking forward to that, the new heaven and the new earth. Sin is still still deadly. It is still send you to hell. With, there's a few people we think about if we look at the Word of God that has been affected by sin. We know all have been affected by sin, by the first sin, by the first man, Adam, sin came into the world. And because of Adam, sin passed on to all mankind because of his disobedience. Well, look, what, look what happened to Adam. Adam was in a perfect world. He had the whole world to himself. All the earth, the beautiful oceans, the beautiful garden, the Garden of Eden, a spectacular place. We can't even imagine what it must have been like. We get bits and pieces. We can make a nice, beautiful garden here right now in this present condition, but it's nothing like what the Garden of Eden was and its beauty and splendor. And Adam had it to himself. He named all of the animals. Adam named the animals. Every name the animals have came from Adam. He named them. He got to name the dinosaurs. He named the cattle. Just think about it. T-Rex. Comes walking by. Adam gets to name it. Give it a name. What is that? God asks no, Adam, what is it? And he names it. Or a, a triceratops. Or just imagine he was with the dinosaurs. This world tried to tell us by evolution. No one, no one existed with the dinosaurs. There were millions and billions of years ago. And this earth has just changed over billions of years. And... I, I get confused trying to listen to it, but that didn't happen. There's evidence all around us. God's Word, remember, it doesn't change. He said that He created the whole earth, the heavens. He created all the animals. The same day that the cow was made, the T-Rex was made. same day the whale was made, the giraffe was made. The fishes were made the same time the sharks were made. Everything in the water. But listen to God, we see His plan and see His way. It hasn't changed, but because of sin, look at the, where, where we are today. The earth is falling apart. Again, we mentioned the tornadoes, the tsunamis, uh, earthquakes, uh, floods. We've had a whole lot of flooding lately, haven't we? That's unusual. It makes me think about what God has told us in His Word that hasn't changed to be ready when he comes back. It hasn't changed, but Adam had to be cast out of the garden because of sin. He had a perfect place, then he had to be dumped into a sin-cursed world because of sin. Left a beautiful, perfect place, but it was because of man's actions in the beginning. 
Remember, Satan's actions and what he did left man alone. We had no repercussions or consequences because of Satan's actions. He was doomed to hell. But we allowed him to draw us in with him. And sin is upon mankind. Think about Abraham and what he had to go through. Or David. David being anointed, man of God. Saul was anointed. But David was not yet his time. But when Saul realized that David was going to be king, there was a bit of jealousy, a bit of uh, fear. Saul tried to kill David. David had for a long time had to run for his life. And he was anointed to be king. He was running from his king. His king wanted to kill him because of this sin-cursed earth. But Saul wanted to do his own thing, do it his way instead of God's way. God's opinion of sin is still the same. It's eternal death for those for that violation. Number three, God's attitude about sinners doesn't change. Now here, it seems kind of grim right up to this point. We've all sinners. We're born sinners. We're going to die and go to hell because we're sinners. Pretty grim. That still hasn't changed except for God's attitude about the sinner. We look at John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a little bit different than this doom of sin, which is still the same, still true for all those that reject God. For our sin, our just reward is eternal death, eternal damnation in hell. But God has made a way of escape. We'll see that here shortly. So I go to the right place. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. This is what we can look forward to for those that haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. This hasn't changed either. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Alright? That hasn't changed that sin brings us doom and, and brings us eternal death. But God has prepared a way for the sinner to receive salvation from eternal damnation. He's prepared the way. Praise the Lord. So what happens from that? We were doomed to hell, but now there's a way for salvation. There's a way for us to live and to have eternal life. There's something that had to happen. And that's part of John 3.16 that paving that way. Let's look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all, all unrighteousness. Um, we have to confess our sins. We first have to realize that we are a sinner. We try to hide it, try to deceive ourselves and say we're not sinners. We're good. I'm a good person. I'm good. I do this or I do this or I do that. 
But James remind us it's not by works that we enter into heaven. It's not by works that we're saved. It's by faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. First uh, John 2, verses 1 and 2 says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Okay? So there must be a way. And if any man sin, we, again, we're human, right? We will make mistakes. It says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad it's for everyone in this whole world? Because that means me. I'm over here in America. I didn't, I'm not in the Middle East. I'm not anywhere near Jerusalem or Israel. I'm a Gentile, not a Jew. It started with the Jews, right? Amen. But then the Lord spread it out from the Jews to the Gentiles, the Greek, the barbarian. It spread out from there. We all have that redemption available to us through Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He is a propitiation for our sins, and He says, and for not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's for me. I'm in that whole world. That's where you are. In the whole world. He paid that price. That God's attitude here is that all believe on Him and be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to die. We'll go back to turn to John chapter 10. Let's go back to John chapter 3 first before I read that. I'll jump ahead of myself. Hold on, let's see. Let's read John chapter 10, verse 27. And he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So God's attitude is that. We see John 3.16, and He sent His only Son to save us, save this world from our, condemn, our due just condemnation. Jesus has followers that have eternal life. He says they never, never perish and they'll never be plucked. They cannot be pulled out of His hands. He has the power to save and Him only. That hasn't changed. Go back to John chapter 3 now. I'm going to read it. He loves each and every person. He loves every single person here in the room today. He loves every person on the outside, outside these walls, in this community. He loves everyone in the city, everyone in the county, everyone in the state, everyone in the nation. His love is extended to everyone in spite of what they did or have done or will do. Remember, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and He paid the sin debt all of us were due to Him. He paid it all on the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, shed His blood, and paid the price that we were supposed to pay. And He paid it for everyone. 
on the cross when he died, he paid the sins for, from Adam till that point, and he paid for the sins from the cross to the end of time. Amen. All at once. He paid them all. We don't have to, if we're saved today, we're a Christ follower. We don't have to live in regretting what we did, our wrongs and sins and grieving and mourning because of what we did and living defeated all the time. Because God paid for those sins. If we've received them in our heart and asked Jesus Christ in our heart as Lord and Savior, He washed those sins away, right? He made us righteous, not by our power, but His power. We're righteous. We're no longer bond to those chains of sin. We're no longer bound to them. We can't let those sins dictate what we do in life. We're new creatures, remember? New creatures in Christ. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Then you were a sinner. Then you were a drunkard. Then you were a murderer, an adulterer, a fornicator. If you've got Jesus Christ in your heart and you've asked forgiveness, all that's been pushed away, praise God. That's all that's been pushed back because of His blood, His shed blood on the cross. We can't live in what we did in the past. We've got to live now for Him, for what He has done for us. All right, let's see. Continue here, John chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 14. He says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. All right, let's, let's go back to what Moses did with the Israelites. There was again another instance. Those people were murmurers and complainers, and they turned their back on God several times. It's kind of like us. They did it again. They got to a point. They were being uh, killed by serpents, by snakes. They were being bit, like the rattlesnake I mentioned earlier. They were being bit and dying. But if there was there was uh, salvation there. They looked in and of their circumstance of what was going on. They got bit. I'm going to die. They died. But there was salvation just up ahead if they looked to it. God told Moses to grab a staff, put a the symbol of the serpent up there, and if they looked to that serpent, they would be saved from the snake bites. That was showing their their faith. And God was by doing what He said. He said to look up to that snake and they would be saved. Well, what God is doing, He took Jesus Christ on the cross and lifted Him up just as that serpent did. That serpent is sin. Well, He had Jesus. Jesus had our sins on the cross. And He held them up. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He was lifted up on a cross for our salvations with the sin of the whole world on Him so that we could be saved and have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent His Son not into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That hasn't changed. A lot of people will give us, will say, well, there's 
multiple ways to heaven. Or there's, I can do this and go to heaven. But there's not. There's only one way. There's only one person that paid the price for our sins. God's attitude about salvation hasn't changed. Let's see. We just read it. John chapter 3, verse 14 through 18. We see in verse 14 to 15, we looked at, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. In that, we see the comparison of God to Moses, Jesus to the serpent. Jesus had his sins on him as if he was a sinner, but yet he was pure and holy. We have the compassion extended in verse 16. See, God so loved the world, he put into action his love and sent his son so that we could be saved. And because of that compassion that he loved us so much, and he made a way for us to be saved, we see the condemnation extinguished. There was doom. But not now. Not through Jesus Christ and His shed blood. If we go through Him, that's the only way to go. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That hasn't changed. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. One more verse and we'll close here. John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That hasn't changed. You see, the Bible hasn't changed. God's attitude about sin hasn't changed. God's attitude about us hasn't changed. God's attitude of salvation hasn't changed. It's still the same. For all those who believe, they, they realize you're a sinner, you're lost, headed to hell, that salvation is still there for us. We confess our sins, admit we're a sinner, admit we need Him, we accept Him in our heart as Lord and Savior. So I have the invitation if you all stand and bow your heads, close your eyes. The invitation now, the altar is open for those that maybe have not given their life to the Lord yet and realize they're still in the sin, they're still in the world. They're still lost. Uh, they know they're doomed. They know they're headed to hell. But there is a way out. There is salvation. God has prepared it and He has sent it. And it's there available. All you have to do is step forward to the altar. Bow to your knees and receive Christ in your heart as Lord and Savior. Also, the altar is open. for As Christians, maybe we've Maybe not in a position that we ha should be in. Maybe we've backslidden a little bit from where we know we should be. And the Lord's speaking to you about that. If you'll step out and step to the altar, altar's open. Anyone that'll come. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to, to get right, to get into His will, get where He wants us to be. Anyone that'll come. Lord's uh, calling us, telling us to come. If we're His child, He's saying, "Come, follow Me. I have, I have this, have this for you. This wonder, this splendor, for you. Come, 
follow me, obey me, do my will. He's saying, come. To the lost, he's standing at the door. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's saying, let me in. There's life, eternal life, that you can only get by allowing me to come in the door. Let me in. He cares for us. He loves us. We go back to God's Word, which doesn't change. He says, God is love. Because of His love, He sent His Son, shed His blood for us. He paid the ultimate penalty. I thank God for that. I thank God that when I was four years old, I gave my heart to Him as my Lord and Savior. Realized I was a sinner. I was lost without Him. I said, Lord, save me. Come into my heart and save me. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need You. And there's been times after that that I say, Lord, I need You. I've been out of Your will for a while. And I've had to turn around and step back into His will. I've been doing my own thing, going my own way. But I've got to step back in tune with Him, back in sync. That's for you today. The altar's open. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for all those here in the congregation today. Thank you for those that have stepped forward. I thank you for the the change that you will do, that you've promised that you would do. You've thank you for that salvation that you've given us to all men freely. All we have to do is ask, confess our sins. You say you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can't let any of that unrighteousness, that sin that was in the past, hold us back from what you have us to do. We're thankful that your word hasn't changed. I can open it up any time of the day, no matter what's happening, and your word still says the same. It doesn't matter the chaos that's around me. It's still the same. You're still there. Your hand stretched out saying, come, follow me. With a good shepherd, the watchful eye over his sheep. Careful that even if one has been strayed, that you're careful to find it and bring him back into the fold, back in, back into the safety of the flock. Thankful for that. Thankful for you, for who you are. You're not an unknown, far God that we can't have a relationship with. You say if we draw nigh to you, you will draw nigh unto us. Pray that you would touch each one in here. Pray that we would uh, be careful today to surrender to you, to your will, your way. Be the examples we should be to the lost people around us. Help me as I'm witnessing to those around me at work that I would be that example I should be. Stand up when I should. Say what I should say. Uh, Be that guide that they need to guide them to Christ, to guide them to you. Give you the glory and the praise. Pray that we would, through, the, through this day, be, the, be what we should be for you. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.